0: Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit slash Play100 and use code Play100. That's code Play100 at slash Play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
2: want to know more about Fred Spoffer's moustache, or the time Vizzy got stumped looking like a buffoon, or any other great stories from cricket's past, well, I have a history of cricket podcast called Double Century, and luckily for you, Season 3 has just started. This time we look at something that will please cricket fans around the world, except maybe from one country, because we're looking at the first time teams defeated England. It's a different kind of podcast series in that it's mostly narrated, but there will also be some key episodes that I'm interviewing the players involved. You can hear this by finding Double Sentry in your favourite podcast app. Welcome, everyone, to Latest Wagon Wheel on Spotify Green Room Live type thing although you might be listening to this on the red inca podcast or watching it on the youtube channel but you can follow me on spotify green room and you can get these chats wrist is out of containment uh you know can't really bend very many things at the moment but little bits of bending so thank you for everyone for the support and the kind messages it's been you know interesting time uh, I managed to make a couple of videos of recent times and a bunch of podcasts in fact so pretty happy with that all things considered huge shout out to the supporters on Patreon um, you know they uh, I started the Patreon during covid because I was obviously part-time of part-time I was freelance when covid started and that was not an ideal position to be in and you know a bunch of people came and supported me for my podcasts and now they support me for my videos and my podcasts and my writing it on patreon so i think for five pounds a month you can get access to my full emailer um you can get the podcasts earlier without ads although we haven't put many ads on our podcast yet but you certainly get them earlier there's q and a's with me as well i'm trying to think what else or you can ask spotify green room questions hey um so you get the first questions on here as well so yeah there's plenty of reasons so jared kimber patreon go and have a look there but let's just crash through the patreon questions now Will Cooling says, uh, Will Cooling's a writer too, if anyone out there wants to follow Will. Will Cooling says, Is there any word yet on what the future holds for Afghan cricket after the Taliban? Look, I've heard good signs and I've heard bad signs. It's obviously not going to be good for women's cricket, um, but uh, Afghanistan was not particularly a good place for women's cricket beforehand either. Um, right. But yeah, it's a little bit too early to tell. It's something I'm going to be looking into shortly, so uh, watch this space. Uh, <laughs> Ian Price says, if we you were given magical powers and you could bring three retired uh, players back for the T20 World Cup. Ooh, okay. I would bring Seymour Clark, the world's best ever wicketkeeper, or certainly England's best ever wicketkeeper, um, and the man who in five first class games never made a run, but was still offered a contract for the next year. How, mu- how good must he have been? I'd bring back Jim Fote, the Derbyshire cricketer who. Was he Derbyshire? God, no, Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire cricketer. Who was who basically averaged less than twenty in his professional career as a batter, but was so good at fielding that they kept picking him. Uh, who else would I bring back? I would love to see, and I've done a video on this. It will be out eventually, but um, depends on my producer Muku, who hates it every time I mention it. But um, I've done a video on uh, players I'd love to see in T Twenty cricket. I'm picking boycott. I'd love to see boycott somehow work his way out to averaging thirty with a strike rate of one hundred and thirty while also bowling off-spin because he realises that it would pay him slightly more money. So there's my three players. Gopanath Ravichandran says, how difficult is it to get acquainted to the conditions, mostly climate and the weather, for touring teams? Look, (laughs) over the last couple of years, weirdly, touring teams have quite often prepared better for some tours than the home teams have. But it's not an ideal situation. You do have to recalibrate. I think the nets is probably where it all starts. Sorry, excuse me. Um, but, yeah, it is is it, it it is tough. And I don't think there's any magic way of doing it realistically other than probably hitting that nets very hard for the first three days and getting yourself out in the middle as much as possible, which is not always possible. You don't always get warm-up games, and sometimes you go out in them. Richard August says, Does Langer's passion um, make him a brilliant coach at the lower sphere of coaching rather than the top end? Uh, I mean, I've said this before, I don't want to get too uh, caught up in the Langer stuff, but his record at the Perth Scorchers was largely on the back of um, gerrymandering the system. You know, essentially when it comes down to it, what Perth Scorchers did to win was had a very good tactic, everyone bought into the, the idea that Langer came up with, but they also were not playing quite within the rules that some of the other teams in the league were playing in at that time. And that's just truth. Having said all of that, it might be that he's a better coach at the lower level where the yelling and the screaming works a little bit better, whereas at the top level, most people are already pretty professional. They just need tweaks, and that maybe isn't his thing. Chris Hart says, Are we in a golden generation of bowling in Test cricket? No. I'm going to use the Saranga-Lakmal method here. (laughs) Saranga-Lakmal, I always thought Saranga-Lakmal was a very good bowler, and I remember him bowling a brilliant spell to Sam Robson, when Sam Romson made his 100 and thinking Saranga is a really good bowler and he doesn't take wickets. I don't think Sarangalakmal is that much better now than he was before. And he used to average around 40 and now he averages around 25 over the last three or four years. He's not 15 runs better bowler than he used to be. I think around the world, a lot of the pitches are a lot more helpful to seam bowlers specifically. Um, I think that the wobble ball has had the m- biggest impact on cricket since DRS. And I think that analysis is really important for fast bowlers. And I think we're seeing a combination of all that. That's not to say that there isn't some great bowling out there as well, because there certainly is. Um, and we might have a slightly better generation of bowlers now than we did just beforehand. I think that's also for, uh, fair. Um, will Cooling says, who will be the next team to beat England for the first time? So for those who don't know, I run a podcast on Double Century, and we have been doing a seasons. we're into season three, and it's all about the first time teams beat England. So if you want to look that up on your playlist podcast appy things, you can find that there. Um, I would suggest that the next team to beat England is probably going to be Afghanistan because they're a very good team. Although obviously everything that's going on with them at the moment uh, might make that a little bit different. Um, I'd love to see England up against Papua New Guinea and Oman. Some very handy teams as well. But, yeah, I mean, Afghanistan is, the, I suppose, the most obvious answer. They're the ones missing. They're the ones I really want to write about, so hopefully it's there. Cameron Allen says, on face value, even when the flawed structure of the introduction of the ODI Super League um, doesn't have an overall positive impact. Yeah, I think especially to lower teams, but I think we're already seeing teams go, oh, can't phone this one in. We have to be thinking about this a little bit more. I think with with the Test Championship, less so, but with the ODI Championship, I think at a certain point we're either going to have to decide that ODI cricket is friendlies or it's a real league. We're still treating it like it's a real league. My guess is that that and uh, bilateral T20 and ODI cricket will eventually be friendlies. But in the short term, um, I've got no problem with with them trying to make them more relevant. And Graham says, I was really interested in your baseball chats. I was wondering if you could go a bit more into depth about spin rates. Um, Yeah. I, I'm massively in, in uh, interested in this. So you'll see when, when the 100 were doing spin rates, they look at the spinners. I'm much more interested in the spin rate of Tamal Mills. I'm much more interested in the lack of spin rate on a Benny Howe um, knuckleball than I am the actual spin rate on, on some of these deliveries. So it's um, it's something that needs to come into cricket. There's a lot of really cool stuff that's come into baseball over the last four, five, six years um uh, driveline baseball i've talked about them quite a lot um they've done some really really interesting stuff some of this technology isn't that expensive and it's kind of ridiculous that no one in cricket owns it as far as i'm aware no one owns it i have been talking to teams though who've been listening to me and going should we get this um so hopefully they do in the future but yeah i think spin rates on on slower balls is massively important and i find it really really interesting that that hasn't become a bigger deal. Um, so those are the questions on Patreon. Thank you, everyone, uh, for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, but let's get to the live. Everyone's going nuts here. All right. live. you're on the air.
1: Yeah. Hey, Jared. Can you hear me?
2: I can hear you. What's your question?
1: Yeah. Could we do two questions or is it
2: only for one? I think only for one because there's so many people have lined up.
1: Okay. So you get the choice between the two. One is uh, basically foregoing the toss and dust matches and letting the two touring team decide whether that mm-hmm. would make the matches more interesting, or the second one, which is Jadeja versus Ashwin, like uh, how to basically decide between two decently, you know, good players. How does the team make that call? So, what do you think? Which of the two would you like me to take up?
2: I'm going to answer the first one, but I will just say they are not two decently good players. They are two. Great players, and, you know they're already, they're already great players in my eyes. Uh, incredible. Um, oh, I'm
1: yeah. trying to be modest on their behalf, anyway.
2: So, <laughs> um, next no, question for you, like? I'll talk about the first one there. So, uh, thanks for your question. Let
1: uh, me elaborate and let oh, me elaborate
2: sorry. a bit. Okay, uh, you've got to be quick. You've got to be quick, mate, because uh, one minute yeah.
1: yeah. So with what uh, WTC, would it not be better to do away with the toss and let the touring team decide? The home team will still have the advantage, but it takes care of the situation where everything gets stacked against the touring team. Say percent no, of the time. Yeah. Basically with the pitches uh varies a great deal between the first and second deck. And say in the case of England, New Zealand, or used to be the case in India, Sri Lanka, or even in Australia, where in the fourth innings. The batting gets much more tougher with the. Yeah.
2: Track. I think we. I think we all understand your question. It's not you don't need to explain it. It, it makes perfect sense. Um, look, essentially, uh, I haven't done enough research into the tosses to give you a proper answer on this. It's not something that I worry about too much. They did obviously try this in counter cricket, maybe in Division Two, was it? Um, and they didn't stick with it. Uh, look, at a certain level. Uh, We expect pitches to be doctored and also we expect pitches to favour home teams. That is actually part of our game in a way that is not the case in other sports. We, you know, so... There's a part of me that thinks that the toss is still a normal part of that, but I've got no problem with, uh, with your idea or the idea that has been used before. Uh, I just think it probably just needs a bit more research. We need to make sure that it does particularly work. We'd have to talk to the second 11 captains and how they thought it went. But um, thank you very much for your question. If you could remove yourself from the chat, for some reason it won't let me do that with you. Uh, but thanks for your question, mate. You met Raja.
3: Hi, Jared. So hey, my you. question is, the India domestic schedule was released this week, I wanted to ask whether Ranji Trophy plate group has more teams than the elite group, but very slim chance of getting to an actual Ranji final. So can BCCI allow overseas players to be allowed, at least in the plate group?
2: Well, I don't think it's a case of them not allowing them. It's Do the teams want them? Do they want to pay for them? Um, Is it in the best interest of Indian cricket? Uh, I, I would think in India where the talent, pool is so over overwhelmingly high and there's so many players that at a certain point, does it really help uh, bringing in overseas players unless they're almost like player coaches? Um, So it's for me, it it makes maybe more sense in a league like counter cricket where you're playing 15 games um, and they can boost the quality of the overall team uh, of the league. Sorry. Um, And they're not taking that many, um, Uh, spots away from players because there's a lot of county teams um and uh, there's a lot of games so there's going to be injuries there's going to be players coming in and out there's not a lot of randy games um and comparatively when you look at the the population of the two countries there's not a lot of teams although obviously there is so um in 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 an actual number sense but so i don't i don't see that as something that india needs to go down it's a you know, I, I think there would be certain teams at certain times where a foreign player would be very, very handy. Um, but I don't think as a, as a rule that Ranji need to worry about that. But uh, thank you very much for your question. That was very interesting. I did not expect to get a Ranji question. I'm not going to lie. Bahan.
4: Yeah. Hello. Hi, Jared.
2: Hi. What's your question, mate? Uh, my question is regarding
4: test batting, actually, top-order mm-hmm. batting. Uh, in recent times, if you compare with the last generation or the previous generation of cricketers, Mm -hmm. What I'm noticing is the batsmen are not playing shots. Like, uh, there's a lot of talk about trusting your defense, but at the result, what is happening, that batsmen are not scoring any runs. Like, I have seen Macros Treskotic, Andrew Strauss playing shots, but the uh, current opening batsmen, they're not doing that at all. They're just trying to defend and just nicking off.
2: Now, that's a very interesting point. Go back to the last test. Did you watch the England-India test? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. When England batted, have a look how many cut shots they played, right? So they played an absolute ton of cut shots. Now, there's a reason why I noticed that. And that's because we haven't seen a cut shot in almost seven or eight years. It is a shot that you do not see full-blooded cut shots be played anymore because... Bowlers are more accurate now. So what you're talking about is when Strauss and Traskothic played, bowlers occasionally bowled short wide balls. That was a thing. You know, you had guys like Nanty Haywood playing and Sean Tate playing and uh, even even bowlers like Dale Stane. So Dale Stane was an incredible bowler and he's, I think, one of the all-time great bowlers. Pat Cummins is just already more accurate than him. Doesn't mean he's a better bowler than him, but Pat Cummins is as fast as Dale Stane, maybe even slightly faster, and more accurate. Every generation, the bowlers are getting more and more accurate. I talked to Steve Harmison about this recently. He thinks it comes from white ball cricket. There's a podcast that um, I think you can find on the YouTube channel, but you'd certainly find on Red Inca, um, where we both both basically think that fast bowlers are more accurate. That's why you're seeing more defensive shots. You're right. It's a a really good point that you make. and It's really weird because it's the opposite of how everyone else thinks. Everyone else is like, oh, no one can make any runs because they're also attacking now. It's like, no one's playing any attacking shots. The cut shot is gone, right? And so... So what you really are finding is there's there's a pitch map that that Pat Cummins bowled. Um, I can't remember if it was the Sydney test or the MCG test. But have a look at it. His line looks like a line of a medium pacer in a club game. He is so accurate. And everyone's like, oh, Pajara should be doing this and Pajara should be doing that. So Pat Cummins did not bowl a ball offline. He, He changed his length a little bit. He bowled a foolish length all the way back to a bouncer, but he was deadly accurate, right? And Josh Hazelwood is like that. Unrik um, Nokia is like that. Do you know, like, bowlers you wouldn't even expect to be that accurate. Mark Wood is incredibly accurate, realistically. Um, Mark Wood doesn't even bowl a lot of short, wide balls. Compare Comparing Mark Wood to, say, Sean Tate or Nancy Haywood or even Shalb Akhtar, those sorts of guys. So I think that what has happened is um, that bowling has fundamentally changed. And I think it... Well, I think a lot of the better accuracy and the more skills that we're seeing from fast balls at the moment comes from white ball cricket. Um, the biggest change is the wobble ball, but I think that what you're talking about is it's just hard to get away. I mean, so I was at the Virat Kohli pitch map yesterday? I was having a look at. He had a couple of balls that were like slightly overpitched, right? It's, there aren't, there just aren't those opportunities, and that's why you see the way that Rishabh Pant plays and you look at the way that Adam Gilchrist or or Saywag played. They're very similar players, all those three guys. But Saywag had lots of loose balls that he could swing his bat at, right? And um, uh, Gilchrist Gilchrist had a lot of of back-of-the-length balls outside off stump and uh, over-pitched balls that he could have a go at. Rishabh Pant's trying to make those balls because they don't exist anymore. And I'm not saying that that may mean... That, that, that makes his technique perfect because I. there are many reasons he's doing it. But I, thought, I think that's a brilliant question. But, yeah, I think fundamentally test bowlers are so much more accurate at high pace than they've ever been before. We I think we always had um, very accurate slower bowlers, but with those you can work them a little bit more. We always had Muhammad Asif and Mike Hendrick and... Stuart Clark and Vernon um, Philander type bowlers. What we didn't have is, you know, the guys at that level up, the Ishant Sharma pace and uh, the Josh Hazelwood pace, being able to be that accurate at that pace. And we've certainly, I, I would argue, and I have, and I've ne- I haven't made the video yet because I don't think Australia have played it since I came up with this theory, there's never been a bowler as fast, as accurate as Pat Cummins, right? And that's not saying he's special because. I agree with that. Yeah, I I just think everyone is faster and and, and more accurate. But great question, mate. Thank you so much for that. Really enjoyed that. Keshev. Hey, Gerard. Can you hear me? I can. What's your question?
4: Uh, My question, uh, uh, similar to last question, uh, regarding the packing. Today I saw your video uh, regarding the Kohli. That was great video, actually. Thanks for that. Thank you. Uh, On the same line, I'm just comparing Groot versus Kohli here. Uh, Just on the uh, mindset aspect, uh, last Year uh, no, uh, before 2021, uh, he was having the bad run, right? Uh, he was like, Group was having the bad run. He was scoring a lot of 50s and not converting them to hundreds. Uh, but I think recently uh, in an interview, he said that uh, he's more desperate now. Uh, in his like lineup, he is the main batting and he needs to score runs. run. But when I see Virat
2: Kohli, I don't see the desperation. You don't see desperation in Virat Kohli? What are you talking about? I mean, Joe. This is one of those things that Joe Root has said. Joe Root is not making more runs because he's more desperate, right? Joe Root has changed his technique and he's changed the way he thinks about the middle part of his innings. It's quite clear that he's batting in a different way. And there's no world that Virat Kohli is not desperate for runs. Virat Kohli is desperate for runs and success at all times.
4: Yeah, look, so in, in a certain way, yes, but let me complete my question. Um, yeah. I'm saying that because uh, he's more dependent on. Uh, his bowling lineup to get twenty wickets. He, if you listen to his that conferences, he keeps on saying that we need to get three fifty runs somehow, and uh, then our our bowlers do the job to get twenty wickets. They're they're not concentrating on like individual batsmanship, getting more runs, like build on pot, like get get more runs. Uh, so somewhere his bow, like great bowling, uh, in his team, making this team batting kind of go down a bit. Something like that is 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 it the case?
2: No, I mean, what what you're trying to do is you, you're looking at the results and then you're trying to backfill the information that, that you have found from the results, right? Essentially, uh, they are working on their batting as hard as they have ever worked on their batting. It's just that the bowling around the world is better. Have you listened to the previous questions? Like it's literally the the, the global, and I can say this over and over again, but basically we just went through from 2001 to 2016 the second greatest batting era ever, maybe the greatest batting era ever, right? Where people made more runs every year than it ever happened before. And now we're in a period where no one's making any runs. That's not India. That's everyone in the world, right? There are a handful of batters who have managed to make runs. So Joe Root of recent times, Manus Labashain, um, I'm trying to think, if there's a couple of others um, out there as well. That's it. Everyone else is making less runs than they used to. Players who played in the previous era, are making less runs than they used to. And that's because batting is tough. India is clearly working on their batting. They're clearly changing their techniques. They're ch- clearly looking at n- different methods. Um, they are working really hard. They're just not making any runs because no one's making any runs. It's, it, it, it really, sometimes it's just as simple as that. Um, the fact that Joe Root has worked it out, well, Joe Root is an all-time great batsman already, um, and he's an incredible player in England. It makes sense that Joe Root's going to occasionally make more runs than Virat Kohli, the same way that occasionally Virat Kohli is going to make more runs than Joe Root. If you, I don't know if you saw, I, I did a, um, I did a video a while back of the four of them and their averages, and you can see they all go up and down. That's a, that's a normal thing. But, you know, uh, Joe Root's averaging over 40. No one else in England has averaged over 40 since Alistair Cook, have they, uh, since Alistair Cook left the team. like No one can make any runs in England. Um, no one can make any runs in Australia outside of Manus now, and and Smith will probably, I think he will come back. The South Africans aren't making any runs. Uh, Sri Lankans don't have you know, anyone other than Karuna Ratney. Uh, West Indies have negative runs. Um, Pakistan has about two batters. We're not, you know, people are really struggling out there. And I understand that everyone focuses on their own team or the cricket that's in front of them. But realistically, we've got to look at this from, a perspective of something has quite clearly changed within cricket. This isn't a mindset thing of Virat Kohli. This isn't an ego thing. This isn't them going, "Oh, our bowlers will get us out of it." This is, "Oh my God, Ollie Robertson is bowling from two two and a half meters tall, or what, what's his release point? Two two twenty-five centimeters. He's landing the ball on the spot, and the ball's moving both ways, and we don't know which way it's going to move because half the time he's bowling a wobble seeing. That's what's happening, right?" That is the truth of what is happening. But um, thank you so much for your question, mate. So, and sorry about last week. It, it, um, Green Room's just a little bit tetchy with the Android devices. But thanks again. VJ. what's your question?
5: VJ. Hi, Jared. Uh, hey. Glad yeah. to hear you're on the mend. What can you tell me about Duncan Fletcher, right? He relegated from the memory of Indian fans and the, the coaching pantheon that we've had, apart from the Champions Trophy, didn't win much against him. But we know that he planted the seeds of professionalism in Coley's mind. Twenty fourteen. He worked on his back foot trigger for Ravi Shastri and Tendulkar. But he seems like a technical mastermind that's just sort of disappeared from the fabric of coaches worldwide, right? So where is he now? What's he doing? What's his contribution? What do you know about him?
2: I actually don't know what he's doing now. Uh, I'm assuming he's probably teaching in the school because that's usually where everyone ends up in England or in South Africa or, or Zimbabwe, wherever he is. But um, uh, he was a brilliant technical coach and a brilliant tactician as a coach. He was not a very good man-manager. Um, that's from, uh, you know, my friends who played under him. Um, that's, that's basically what they have told me over the years. At the test match level, you probably, especially now, you probably need a man manager. You need someone who understands people, who can take people out for dinners. You know, th- you know if you're a basketball fan, think Greg Popovich. Um, or You know, Trevor Bayliss was probably someone who was quite good at this in English cricket. The ability...
5: Yeah, Sorry, I kid. suppose my question is, like, in terms of technical contributions, like, what stood out for you from Dark and Pledger? Every time Lola goes around the wicket now, Instead of DRS, we're talking about Duncan introducing that in the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, any other technical contributions that stood out?
2: Well, I mean, he. I, I mean, it was the 05 um, pace race, wasn't it? Which was we're going we're gonna to look at pace over everything else, which is now being superseded by height. Weirdly, I think uh, were the uh, the, field, the in and out fielders for scene bowlers was his idea, which we still see today. Uh, the around the wicket thing, uh, I think that was more individual matchups. I don't know if he was specifically. Um, uh, put it this way England didn't bowl massively around the wicket they bowled massively around the wicket to certain players Um, so that is interesting and Andre Nell did it as well and I don't think that was particularly to do with Fletcher but yeah I think the in and out fields the pace um, and I think I think most of the rest of the stuff he did was probably just individual with players so you'd almost have to go through the players uh, that he worked with Uh, but Everyone was a very, very big fan of his. He will—he's a bit of a forgotten coach because he's not a very public person, and also I don't know if you've ever seen him speak, but you know, it's not exciting. <laughs>
5: you know, yeah, it's a bit it, dry. the you know. isn't
2: he? Yeah, he's drier than Andy Flower, and Andy Flower is, you know, about as straight about as you can get, right? So those, um, those Southern African coaches—they are, you know, very straight-faced. Um, Mickey Arthur, Mickey Arthur's like the personality of that group, which uh, I think tells you everything. But thank you so much for your question. Really interesting. Thanks, Eric. Uh, I have you Sharma. Hey, Sharon, how are you? Very good. Uh, so my question is, uh, since it's the transfer season has just ended, I wanted your opinion on how
4: IPL, do you think the current IPL uh, auction system is perfect or, or if, you know, it can move towards the transfer window kind of, uh, they have tried it and, you know, and also with the scheduling of, uh, now they're going back to the 2011 scheduling where they have uh, uh, to a group system that they're going to follow, would it be a positive or is there a better way around or have you thought about it?
2: I think once the league gets bigger, I certainly think we need a new player draft and an old player draft. I think that's a must for going ahead. So I would separate those two drafts or you could have them all together in one day if you wanted to. But, you know, players have never played in the IPL before going to one draft and players have played in the IPL uh, before going to another draft. I don't like the auction. I've never liked the auction. I much prefer a draft. Uh, I think that's better for the league. Um, I understand the idea of the auction. I understand why they did it, and it works for the Indian market, but I just don't think it works perfectly well for a sporting league. Uh, that, there's transfer market or, you know, trades and all those sorts of things. It's actually really hard to do those when there's only eight teams in a competition. So, you know, four of you are going to make the finals or four of you are not going to make the finals. You don't really want to make another team better, I don't think. Whereas if you are, you know, if you're Premier league, if you're a football team, you may not even have to play against the other team that you trade against if it's another major football team in a different country um, or if you're doing a trade, you know, between the leagues. Uh, if you're in an American sports thing, you can you can trade to a team outside of your playoff bracket, you know, um, in, in a different division on a different coast or whatever. IPL doesn't have any of that. Eventually, we'll hopefully, it will have all of that. It will have, you know, 16 to 18 teams, I would assume, one day, probably playing in two different divisions. and. Um, make it more, even more like an American-style league, which would be my guess um, in its own Indian way, um, then I think we'll see a lot more. But I, I did a video, I don't know if you've ever seen it on YouTube, about how bad trades have been in cricket. Um, so the Big Bash has them. Big Stock Bash has them. Mumbai,
1: strong. Yeah yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Big Bash has them. IPL has them. I've been following this for a long time. Some of the trades are just junk. They're absolute junk. They're not even proper trades. We're just calling them trades, really. Um, so, yeah, I think we're a long way away from uh, the league being uh, good on that level. But um, thanks so much for your question. Sum Dip Mook is all I have. Dot dot dot. I'm sure there's more to the Mook, but. Dip. Yep. Great. Fire away, sir.
3: In your one of the videos about NZ cricket, when mm-hmm. New Zealand cricket, you I asked that why NZ don't play three match series that much. You replied that they don't make money from it. So and my question is, how do the economy of this cricket, like cricket in general works, and how do yeah. the teams earn money from it? And why the only big three teams, that is England, Australia, and India, yeah. make money from Tesco. then others don't.
2: Because they're from the biggest markets. They're from completely different markets. They're, you know, the price that you can charge for a ticket in England and Australia um, means that you make an absolute fortune uh, in a way that you cannot in the other markets. And more, But ticket sales is quite small. It's really about TV rights. Four million people live in New Zealand. Um Uh, or five million. I don't know. There's not many people that live in New Zealand. It's a small TV market. There isn't a lot of money in the TV rights there. You know, Sri Lanka doesn't have a lot of money in their TV rights. The West Indies don't have a lot of money in their TV rights. South Africa don't have a lot of money in their TV rights. That's where it comes down to. There is a way around this, of course, which I talked about probably a hundred times, but I'll I'll give you the, the, the easy one, which is you don't make everyone sell their rights bilaterally. That's why New Zealand can't pay bigger test series is because they're trying to sell them bilaterally. What you need to do is have a world test championship where the rights are sold as a, an entire package. And then everyone could play. Everyone could play probably five test series if they wanted to, but probably at least three and four test series on occasion. That would be absolutely possible going ahead. Um, all the players, the umpires, the, the hosting fees would be paid out of that pool. Um, so, Uh, A player from Bangladesh would get as much money as a player from Australia, would get as much money as a player for Ireland. Um, All those things would be available to us in that kind of a system. Uh, But the the teams don't want it. They've had chances to do it before. They won't do it. That's why we don't have cricket.tv. Um, you know, we've got NBA.tv and MLB.tv. Geez, we've got Manchester United TV, don't we? And we don't have cricket.tv. And that's because no one owns the the global rights package. And that's where the real money is going to be on that particular platform. And realistically, everyone needs to get involved, but uh, it would take away individual power from individual nations. And uh, big nations don't want to do it because they like having the power, and the smaller nations don't want to do it um, because they're terrified that they will lose the tiny amount of power that they have. Um, so that's why it happens. But um, uh, thank you so much for your question, mate. Raj Sundar. Uh, hi, Jared. Uh,
3: my question is about DRS. It comes from the Headingley test between the United uh, yeah. States. Mm-hmm. an incident where uh, Kohli was even stumped up and the nation was taken upstairs. Barely uh, enough, uh, the third umpire uh, referred it for a caught behind Oh, I know it's a protocol, uh, so I just want to know, just imagine a situation where a batsman is caught at short leg or say silly or point. Uh, uh, and it's, it's not given out on field, so the fielding team refers it. And uh, I know the protocol uh, dictates uh, third umpire to check for an LBW2 uh, mm-hmm. in that situation, uh, if it hasn't come uh, for nick of a bat. So wh- I just want to know, why is it... Uh, it's such a protocol, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's
2: not the protocol. a bit unfair on the batting side. No, it's not unfair on the batting side. It's not a protocol. It's the laurels of cricket. You do not appeal for a type of dismissal, you appeal for all the dismissals at all times. So when you say, How's that? you appeal for every single type of dismissal. So the umpire uh, has, in any situation, whether it's the, the standing umpire or the third umpire, they have to be. Mindful that there might be another kind of dismissal that has happened, that is written into the laws of cricket, um, and uh, it, you know, unless we change the law or the playing condition, it makes absolute sense. Also, once you have appealed, you, I don't know if you've played cricket, but having been on a field of cricket before, I think there was one with earlier in the series, in fact, where Rishabh Pant was appealing for a caught behind, and the bowler was appealing for an LBW, right? That happens all the time. That happens way more than anyone would think, those sorts of things. So, um, no, when you appeal, everything should be looked at. So I uh, absolutely no problem with the third umpire looking for all of the different kinds of dismissals.
3: Uh, isn't it a bit different when the
2: no. refers for it? Uh, it's no. no, it's appeal. It's an appeal. It's exactly the same. They, they should definitely look for all those different kinds of things every single time because you, you, you keep saying it's different, but it's not. An appeal just means you've appealed for a wicket. What we are looking at is to see whether a wicket has happened. And we're going to look at, oh, okay, well, we were going for a court, but actually this might be LBW. Um, so, no, I have absolutely no problem with that. But uh, that, that's a really, really interesting one. Thank you so much for that, Raj. Leo.
5: Hello, Jared. Okay. I was going to ask if you would like to have any tips for young cricket journalists and what you could do to like kind of get into this industry, but like basically what you're doing, because you basically cover a very wide range of cricket As in general, like what would you have in terms of tips for that?
2: I could give you a million. Obviously, I've got my sports writing course, which is, I know, is it 50 US? 50 pounds? Yeah. Uh, It's it's worth having a look at that. There's, There's certainly heaps there. But if you want the sort of the short answer, and I give this all the time, do things that other people aren't doing. So what happens is people come in and they start writing match reports. And it's like, well, why would I read your match report, Leo, when The Guardian has Mike Selvey writing a match report? Or Actually, that's no longer apt, is it? But uh, Ali Brown. I say Ali Brown. um, Ali Martin writing. uh, Ali Brown does not write match reports. Um, He has a bar named after him at the Oval, I think. But um, uh, uh, why would I read your match report when Ali Brown has written a match report, when Andrew Miller has written one on ESPN, when, you know, um, uh, Sunder Sundarasan has run uh, written one. When Fidel Fernando has written one. When Daniel Gallian, do you know what I, do you see? What I'm saying, where I'm going with this, right? And so what happens is, and I just worked with the ECB rising hundred writers, and they still couldn't get. They can't get. Everyone's just like they're going to write a match report. Don't forget about a match report. What if you just wrote about wicket keeping for two years? Right. What if you just wrote about Nepalese cricket? What if you just wrote? so Tim Wigmore made his career by basically writing about associate cricket because no one else was at the in the with the major papers, and then he spun that into politics. When I stopped writing about the politics of the ICC, those are boring, stupid topics. Those are very Wigmore things to care about, right? Now he's got a job at the Telegraph. Lizzie Ammon. Everyone else wrote about county cricket on their individual teams. Lizzie Ammon and George Dobell wrote about county cricket in total. The only two people doing it, they both, you know, well, George obviously was in and out the industry already, but Lizzie is now working at the Times, right? Um, I was the first person to write about Test cricket in total. Freddie Wilde was the first person really to write about um, T20 cricket. Everyone I'm mentioning here has got a job. Like, there are, and there are heaps of like open goals that people don't even do. Um, So that's what I, my my advice is always do what other people aren't doing. Don't try and do what everyone else is doing.
5: Yeah, no, I completely get that. That's, Good, great advice like would you suggest trying to focus more on doing kind of player analysis I always watch your videos on YouTube and find them fascinating especially I think the Sam Curran one that was one that a lot of people probably haven't thought about and people were trying to spin because I know that the base around Sam Curran right now is everyone thinks he's very overrated and he shouldn't be in the England side but the way that you put it it kind of has a different take on what you what most people think about Sam Curran kind of yeah, I looking mean, at I players you. and what they're doing
2: I mean, I do I do a video like that every now and again. Um, you know, you I, I, There's a new um, website. Um, Ronan Alexander um, from Scotland is doing a cricket scouting website. And I've been trying to encourage him as much as possible because I want more people to do that. I don't think people understand what roles players play in teams. <laughs> we, do you know what I... Like Rahane, the, the Rahane video I did before, before the current one, wasn't it? Yeah. It's important for people to know that he's in that team because he's an excellent player of pace bowling and because he can play really well away from home. You need to know what someone does and why they do it and why the team might have them. There's a huge there's a huge amount of that, you know. Um I still think there's a huge problem with people bowling, uh, picking opening bowlers um and expecting them to be good at first change bowling. Whereas first change bowling is a specific skill separate to being a good opening bowler. And we don't, we don't look for those players, which means we end up with three or four opening bowlers all the time in our teams. You know, there there are, there are huge um, things that could be written about, I think when it comes to that, but good luck, Leo do the course. So I, I, yeah, I really, you know, I I think I put a lot into that course. Um, I tried to make it as cheap as possible. So everyone around the world could hopefully get to it one day, but um, uh, thanks for your question. Thank you so much, Chad. I take two more. Jimmy Boy?
3: I'm really mad with the uh, one thing about one day Cricket but uh, we haven't really changed the quality of white belts. Even two cover belts are really rubbish. But we haven't done anything to change the quality of balls, And we are using two new belts as well. So both from, I minister, mean, two belts from both ends. So it doesn't allow reversing to come into play. And spinners also don't get too much help. And uh, with the middle having only four fielders outside, so it's a uh, lap. Fabrics are bowlers only. Dutchmans are dominating the all of, now. It is a of a hitting. So, yep. why haven't we changed the quality of white balls?
2: We well, haven't changed the quality of any balls. All of our balls are rubbish in cricket. But still, red balls are doing much. No, but red balls are better. Red balls are better because red balls are better. They're not better because we've developed them better. It's because we can dye um, a ball red. We can't dye a ball white. That's the only difference. They're not great because we spent lots of money developing red balls. Um, they're, they're great because they have an advantage over white balls naturally. Um, essentially, we don't have a proper industry of cricket balls around the world. The ICC does not really run cricket, so they can't put money into research and development. We have not started a space race between all these different cricket um, ball manufacturers um, to to make them uh, find better balls. And we've had rubbish balls for generations around the world. In red balls, we've had rubbish red balls. We've had very rubbish white balls. The pink balls are not very good either. Um, you know, we, kookaburra is a tiny company. Dukes is a tiny company. SG is a tiny company. It's not Adidas, Nike, Wilson. Do you know what I mean? It's not meter. We, we're talking about very, very tiny companies here, um, who don't have a lot of money to, uh, to get these things better. And if they don't, if they're not given money by the cricket boards and, and by the organizations, they can only make their balls better slightly as they go. And that's why we don't have better balls. I don't think white balls work. I, you can't dye the leather white. I don't think white balls will ever work. I think we'll eventually have to perfect the pink ball and make that into the one-day ball. Will be my guess, but um, uh, we might, might we perhaps, we can. Can you make hand shades or white balls? Like we make hand stitched. It doesn't matter. It's not it's that that is that is a very small part of the problem. The bigger part of the problem is that the paint comes off. The paint comes off of them. That's why they are useless uh, cricket balls. That's why we need to replace them. That's what, I mean, we, we're, it, it's kind of a lie to say that we never used to have two balls in one day cricket and now we have two balls. We always had two balls. The difference was we used to replace them at the 35 over mark and now we just have two brand new ones. Discol- they, were, they were soft. They went soft and they went, yeah, as you said, discoloured. Absolutely pointless. Um, great question though. Thank you very much, Jimmy. And I have my last question. Last person. I've got Javed Ganguly. Last question, Javid.
3: Yeah, so my question is about predictability in test cricket. So in India won the won the Australia series despite the fact that they played just two players over the four tests. And Australia during that series had a, you know, a, a bowling lineup that was too big to fail. And in retrospect, you might have picked someone else in place of Michelle Stark. Uh, and in this series, India has a batting lineup that is too big to fail. Uh, and it seems like in retrospect, you might have picked someone else in place of Pujara or Rahani. You know, Rishabh gets out and he just sits down and watches the video guy. So is, you know, in, in this age of too much analysis, is it difficult for people to play constantly? And is it better that to just keep changing because players become too predictable?
2: No, I don't think it's about being too predictable. I think Mitchell Stark was tired. Um, as much as anything, and he needed to re- re- be replaced because he wasn't bowling um, at the speed he needed to be bowling at uh, for him to get wickets, for instance. Uh, teams know each other a lot better now than they ever have before, but I don't think, I, I, I honestly don't believe that just bringing another player to replace Rahane or Pajara, I can't see how anyone would be you know, better served to make runs. The teams are still going to bowl in the channel just outside of Stump, um, nibbling it both ways uh, on English pitches and with the wobble ball. I just don't see how that would happen. So, no, I understand what you're saying. Um, the predictability thing is really interesting because I've just finished the double century episode on the West Indies beating England uh, in their, in a test and drawing their first ever series um, in, what was that, twenty nine thirty, And they played 28 players and had four different captains um, uh, and yet managed to have, play quite a good series considering everything. Um But no, I I I think you want your best players. I don't think the too big to fail thing of Pajara and Rahane is the problem. I just think that they think that those players have skills that are better than younger players that they would have to throw in to those positions. And I think with Mitchell Stark, I think, again, Australia probably got this wrong, but they probably thought to themselves, do you know what, he is our best bowler, even if he's at 90 or 95%, uh, we'll, we'll pick him.
3: Hazelwood and badcomers is like, you know, the or Dathan Lyon, for example. Like, India knew what they will throw at them, but you didn't know what, you know, Natrajan or Siraj is coming with, you know. Mate,
2: people knew what Murali was going to throw at them for 20 years. It doesn't mean you can play Murali. People people knew what Sachin, how Sachin was going to score and how to get Sachin out for 20 years. The, the best players are the best players because they have games that are repeatable that bring constant success. To be able to think that, you know, suddenly throwing in a random person It's going to work. It'll work on like it did for India in that series, like it did for West Indies in the one that I'm talking about. Occasionally, but consistently, no, because your best fifteen players um, are probably always going to be the ones who are going to win the most amount of tests for you. Not your best twenty five players, unless you're way better than your opposition. That's not going to happen that often, or you have some luck. But I. Really, really uh, interesting question there. Thank you to everyone. Uh, Thank you to the Patreon people for the questions at the start. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can head over there. If you are on Spotify Green Room and you came halfway through, thank you for your questions if you did get one. I'm sorry, there's there's about 20 people I didn't even get to today. I've got to get to the Oval, so I'm already going to run late, but I I try and run through a few extra questions because there's so many of you coming through. But thank you for everyone who did the questions. A bunch of new videos up on YouTube. Uh, Red Inca is up and away as well. But thanks to everyone uh, for popping on to the Spotify green room. It's been fun again. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.